This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the latest edition of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball uh, coming to you live from the same geographic vicinity for the first time in like uh, well over a year and a half. Tyler Ma, Benjamin Hill, Sam Dykstra. I'm like 20 some miles from you right now, but we're not in the same room. I'm sorry. I was going to say, don't expect the quality of the podcast to change much. <laughs> the best thing about this is the same thing basically on our end in terms of just scheduling this. Like I yeah. don't have to factor in time zones anymore. I didn't, we're, we're speaking right now at one o'clock Eastern time. Like I didn't have to worry about, oh, is this going to be too early for Tyler? Like I know exactly where you are. I know you're on my schedule. I don't have to put in your time, my time, our time, whatever. It was, it was easier to schedule this podcast than it is typically. It's still, we're still 20 miles away. So I am. Yeah. Unfortunately, I am not, uh, I'm not in the room. It looks like the Ernie Banks conference room you're in today. That is correct. Yes. I can see, uh, I can see Ernie Banks on the wall or on the window behind you. Um, and I am planning on coming into the office probably tomorrow, uh, in which case I don't think I'm going to see either of you, but yeah, I'm finally, uh, out of New York, getting a chance to see, uh, some family for the first time in almost two years, which I'm very excited about. And, uh, yeah, getting to be on the same time zone as you gents, which is quite an honor. Sam Dykes or Benjamin Hill. My name is Tyler Mon. Ben, what's going on with you? How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, uh, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't know why I came on talking all clipped in the, <laughs> I think it's cause you know, I am a it's little good energy. Yeah, it's the energy. Um, you know, I'm I'm only working two days a week right now uh, and staying home with my son, Harry, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And I love it. I love spending time with him. He turned six months on Tuesday. And um, yeah, but it's a lot to uh, try to stay on top of the uh, the base, the minor league baseball season, get some writing done, still visit a couple ballparks and also spend uh, most of my work week at home with a baby. So I'm in uncharted territory, just getting by, but I'm enjoying it, you know, underrated spending time uh, with a baby at home. I enjoy it. Uh, so that's a separate for uh, uh, a topic for a separate podcast. That's a, that's a fatherhood podcast. Sam and I yet uh, have not the ability to join in that, but maybe someday years from now, the three of us can. Yeah. I would say you probably have the ability. Yeah. Maybe the ability, not the, not the means. Uh, <laughs> neither, of us, neither of us possesses a child. I love my nephew and niece very much, and I would care for them every day in an instant if I had to. But ability, I need some reps before I would say I have the ability to be a father. Everything takes reps in life. Uh, well, Ben mentioned uh, a moment ago, as we uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in to this week's episode of the show before the show. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts and all your uh, podcast downloading devices. And uh, we're talking about all kinds of fun stuff today. We got a great interview coming up for you here in a little bit. But uh, Ben mentioned, you know, trying to get writing done, see some ballparks and all that. You've got another new ballpark in the offing, which is uh, Somerset, one of the new affiliates of the New York Yankees for 2021. You are headed there. We're recording this on Thursday, the 26th. You're headed there tomorrow? Yeah, on Friday, August 27th, I will be visiting the Somerset Patriots in, what is it, Bridgewater Township, New Jersey, central New Jersey, um, yeah, new double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. You know, that was previously the Trenton Thunder. Uh, the Yankees switched to the Somerset Patriots, who had previously been in the independent Atlantic League. Uh, so now they're an affiliated team. They're one of three teams, you know, who made that switch to affiliated entering 2021. Uh, Somerset is joined by the Sugarland Skeeters and St. Paul Saints in that regard. I still have not made it to Sugarland or St. Paul. That's on the uh the 2022 to-do list for me, but uh, Somerset Patriots being in Central Jersey, a new ballpark to me, a new ballpark to minor league baseball, and looking forward to getting out there for a Friday night game uh, in late August and seeing what I can see. Ballpark number 182 for those keeping score at home, which is me. I'm keeping score. 182. That is amazing. That's And with something like this, because a big theme of your – year this this year so far has been going to brand new ballparks places like Fredericksburg and Worcester um, seeing places 
for the first time because this is the first time they're actually playing. Somerset at least has existed as an independent ball club before this. Um, so what are you going to look at in terms of how it's moved into the minor league scene? Like what's on your kind of checklist at least to, to check out there? Yeah, I mean, it is unprecedented in that regard in terms of uh, being a ball a team that's established, a ballpark that's established. You know, they didn't change their name. They didn't rebrand. So this is a team that had a lot of history and its own aesthetic and in its own style uh, before they became an affiliated team. So it'll be interesting to see um, that kind of operation, making the switch from independent to affiliated, how that affected it, you know, talking to people, finding the differences, the similarities. Uh, you know, I wrote about the Somerset Patriots um, you know, back in February, a sort of like meet the team article once they joined affiliated. And, you know, there was this thing with them that, you know, being a central Jersey team, and uh, they always kind of had a Yankees mentality and aesthetic, uh, you know, at the independent level, uh, you know, more conservative, um, you know, they're a team called the Patriots, um, you know, trying to appeal to Yankees fans. Sparky Lyle was the initial manager and he was there for a lot of years. Their uh, mascot is actually a, a dog named Sparky Lyle is, is in honor of Sparky Lyle. So I think as transitions go, the fact that this was an independent team that already had people in the front office and ownership group who aspired to be Yankee-like at the independent level made this transition probably uh, a little more seamless than some of the other ones that have taken place, but uh, time will tell. Well, we have a very entertaining interview on this week's episode of the show before the show. There are uh, legends throughout the entertainment history of minor league baseball that include people like Max Patkin, the crown prince, the clown prince, sorry, of baseball, uh, and the San Diego chicken, or the famous chicken, uh, as was also known, um, and some guys who have inherited kind of that mantle as we move into the uh, the late first quarter century of the uh, 21st century, uh, the superstars who have built uh, an empire, not just around the superstars with Bird Zerk. Um, ben, tell us about what's coming up. This is a very fun conversation. We just finished recording a little bit ago. Yeah, it was uh, career spanning and we could have gone a lot longer uh, with the brothers Latkovsky, uh, Dominic and Brennan. You know, it was Dominic whose career goes back uh, over three decades, started Bird Zerk. Uh, the superstar, superstars came about after that. Uh, then Skillville Entertainment Group, their company. Uh, now they have a lot of associated acts that they book. They've turned ballpark touring and entertainment into a full-time you know, job and then some, its own company. So an interesting career path uh, for Dom and Brennan and the people they've worked with, the characters they've created. And uh, you know, I got in touch with them thinking, hey, we need to check in about what it's been like for touring performers uh, after 2020 and a kind of weird transitional 2021. But as you'll see, the interview is also just a lot more uh, wide ranging than that, because once you start talking to people who have uh, had such a unique career and who are so well known in the sporting landscape, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of things to talk about. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a minor league baseball fan and you probably at some point seen Bird Zerk, seen the superstars and some of their crew wandering a ballpark, seen the seventh inning stretch with, uh, sung by Harry Canary, seen Clammy Sosa eat a bat boy and spit him out in his underpants, those sort of things. Common sights on the, on the minor league scene, but uh, who are these people who do it? How did this come about? Tune in and find out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here on the show before the show podcast, I, Ben Hill, am joined, as always, by Sam Dykstra and Tyler Mon. And with us are two special guests, icons in minor league baseball and sports, although you might not know their names, Dominic and Brennan Latkovsky. And I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Wow, you nailed it. Yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> nailed I, I, was, it. I was practicing in front of the mirror. That was so good, Ben. But they are the uh, founders of uh, Superstars and the Skillville Entertainment Group, uh, Superstars, inflatable mascots, sketch comedy routines, skits, jokes, props, 
Harry Canary, Ken Giraffe Jr., Clammy Sosa, all sorts of ballpark characters, and many more. <laughs> Birdzerk. <laughs> Birdzerk. And let's not forget <laughs> Birdzerk. Uh, oh, part of yeah, Birdzerk, yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dom. Uh, yes. Someone mm-hmm. just said Birdzerk. Um, we could go on and on about all that. Where to begin? Well, let's start at the beginning. This is not a unique career to be touring sports entertainers and uh, to create your own act and uh, a lot of wacky visuals and travel the country performing for sports fans and a lot of minor league baseball work through the years. Uh, So let's start at the beginning. How did you get on the path to uh, such an anomalous career? And then, you know, you built it up to something very successful. It all began in 1990 when the Louisville Redbirds were dumb enough to hire me to be become Billy Bird, the mascot, their, their mascot, uh, the guy who had been doing it named Billy Johnson, who actually ended up going on to work uh, for a couple of minor league teams afterwards, including Chattanooga and Kinston. Um, and then he ran out to uh, Las Vegas and ran the hockey team out there. He, he just got tired of being the mascot and doing the PR media stuff as well. So they hired, they were looking for a new Billy Bird. They hired me when I was in college and I, it was something I had always wanted to do. I had been doing mascot stuff in high school and for local radio stations. And when I was a kid, I loved going out and watching the, the Philly Fanatic and the Chicken and seeing Max Patkin and Morgana, the Kissing Bandit. And, uh, and even knew when I was uh, 12 years old that that would be a fun job to have. So I started, started that ball rolling way back then. And I got hired to be Billy Bird and then... People said, hey, you're doing a pretty decent job, but you're just as funny as the chicken. And he was making $8,500 a game, and I was making $35 a game. And I thought, well, if I'm as funny as him, then I'm not doing – got to figure something out here. So we ended up figuring a few things out and created Bird Zerk and then Superstars, and that's where it all began way back then. Yeah, and Brennan, um, how did you get involved in the, in the fold, making this a family business? Dominic's uh, parents are also my parents, so we've known each other almost <laughs> our whole lives. And uh, we we started doing routines while he was Billy Bird those first couple of years. I was d- done in school in Georgia in Macon, and uh, I would come back for the summer, and we started doing routines uh, on the field with uh, our other brother, Lex, and our buddy, Mike Hamburg. And uh, the four of us would go out there and do different routines, and we would dress up like uh, George Bush and Barbara Bush. And uh, back then, Mike Hamburg and I had a Blues Brothers um, act, a full band. So we started incorporating Blues Brothers into our uh, Billy Bird routines. And uh, I would dress up as Morgana the Kissing Bandit. And uh, I dressed up as Vanilla Ice and did a post-game quote-unquote concert. And <laughs> we, we, just, we, did, we just did all kinds of goofy stuff. We didn't... Uh, Luckily, the people that were in charge of us uh, gave us a lot of free reign, so we had a lot of fun. Uh, we were entertaining, but we weren't um, vulgar or stupid or whatever. It was just kind of corny, and uh, we pushed the envelope a little bit here and there, and Dominic was was doing a great job as Billy Bird for them. So the first two years, we traveled as Billy Bird and company, and the company part was all these other tidbits that we would do. Uh, Mike and I would dress up as we would appear like we were 80 year old nuns with nun habits on and we'd walk out onto the field and with walkers or whatever, and we'd throw first pitches and then break into some kind of a hip hop dance routine with bird Zerk or Billy bird. And so we did all kinds of corny stuff. And like Dominic said, people said we were funny. People said we were good. And, um, shortly thereafter, uh, 92, uh, the winter of 92, the winter meetings came to Louisville and, um, we got a booth. We made a video. We put some pamphlets together. We had done a show or two at uh, in Nashville for Larry Schmidt with the Nashville Sounds in the old stadium there, and uh, just put together kind of a little uh, reference pamphlet back then. And we were hoped we were going to get you know six or eight gigs to pay for the investment, and we ended up with forty eight gigs the first year. So we were off and running. We went down to Mexico. I was uh, luckily enough, lucky enough to learn a little bit of something in high school and college. I spoke Spanish, so I uh, spoke to the Mexican baseball teams that came by the winter meetings that uh, winter in 92, and we went to Mexico shortly thereafter, and uh, they loved it, and, and it's just 
it's been a fantastic journey for us for uh, 30, 30 years now. Yeah, and over those 30 years, you've worked in all sorts of sports all over the country, but I'd say minor league baseball has certainly been maybe the, uh, the bread and butter of, of your performances uh, and the places that you visit, you know, because there's so many teams. So once you started to get established – all that travel, what was a quote unquote typical year for you? Like uh, in terms of the number of bookings, how you set up the trips and uh, you know, how the operation would proceed over the course of a minor league baseball season. Back uh, in when we started bird Zerk, So in 90, 92, like Brennan said, we started uh, at the winter meetings in 93, we started traveling then from 93 to 98 with bird Zerk, we were pretty much do right around 70 to 80 shows a year and all those bookings or most of them would originate and come from the winter meetings so we'd go to the winter meetings and we'd have our our little calendar book back then and and the people would come by with their pocket schedules and we'd figure out the dates right then and there and we'd try to put you know billings with missoula or or, or uh, you know uh El Paso with Albuquerque or near, nearby cities, if, if at all possible, but that didn't necessarily work. Some days we went from Tyler, we went from Altoona to Modesto to Delmarva in three days. One time I remember doing that trip and for some reason, I, I couldn't stay away because you can't fly into Altoona or Modesto or Salisbury. So we were driving, flying, crisscrossing the country, no sleep. And I couldn't stay awake after the game in Delmarva for some reason. But anyway, so we'd take Can't our book and we'd book our, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and we would uh, and we'd book uh, 70 to 80 shows with Bird Zerk every year. And um, and you know, we we later on started representing Myron Noodleman and, and Bird Zerk and Myron Noodleman were always in lockstep with how many shows we'd we'd each do right around 70 or 80 shows during the summer. And then when we launched uh, Superstars in 98, and that took off and people loved it and and so we th- then we started ramping up and then we got to the point where we didn't we not only had one superstar show, but we added the we, 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 um, we made it so that we could send two groups out and and two guys could go to one area to one city or go, to go to, to the northeast. And then two guys could go out west with five other costumes. So we got to the point where we could uh, duplicate the show and obviously make more money that way. And that's when our business really started to grow. <laughs> And uh, so then we, we got up to the point probably in our heyday where we were doing close to 200 shows a year. But that was, I mean, we'd have some weekends where we'd have 15 shows a weekend from all of our Bird Zerk and Superstar shows because we could have four Superstar shows. Was it four, three Superstar shows and one Bird Zerk? So over the course of a weekend, yeah, we could have – 10 to 15 shows going on um and and it was it was super busy and then and then of course 19 uh, 2008 we got on america's got talent and we were trying to do a ton of shows and trying to film for that so that that I, looking back on how we pulled that off I, I still have no idea with all the filming and, and tv stuff we had to do then so that to get to, to the long answer ben is um 70 or 80 when it was Birdzerk. And then once we did Superstars, it got up close to probably 200-ish per year. Yeah, and one thing that stands out to me about your guys' story is just, I, I feel like if it happened today, we would be talking about you guys going viral. Like there would have been a video of you guys popping up on Twitter or YouTube or something like that. And another team would have seen it. And then all of a sudden you get 60, 80 bookings like you're talking about up to Mm -hmm. 200 a year. But in those early days, you talked about a little bit in terms of working the winter meetings. What was it like back then trying to develop those relationships and trying to get everybody to buy in, especially in what became the national brand? Sure. That's, That's a great question, Sam, because you know, there's been a whole lot and we, Brennan and I, we've made a list of all of the different acts who have given it, given it a shot, who have seen what we've done and thought, well, this can't be that hard. I can put together a national act. I can do this or that, and that have come to the winter meetings at some point in our career thinking that they could launch and, and that, and it does, it just doesn't, I mean, you guys could probably think of a, a number of them as well that you, that you may have seen over the years who have been there. If I named Guru, 
the boogie boar, wild things. I don't know if y'all remember them. Uh, the nutty blue, buddies, nutty buddies, the the, the uh, ding. Uh, what was it? dinger? The, what was that? Ding, dingo. dingo, dingo. I mean, there's all, all these there's, names are spot on. By the way, I just got to say for minor league acts, these are all spot on. Do, do, do you do you guys remember any of these, or are these even before your all's time? I remember a couple of them, but a lot of them uh, I do not. But okay, how about player. more recently? What was the Brennan the, um, uh, the first brother. circus? First circus, uh, the uh, what is rally? Yeah, rally. There you go. There's another one. Yeah, uh, the, uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, the the Sweet Wright Brothers. Thank you. That's the one I was thinking of. Sweet Wright Brothers, who you know they they spent a lot of money coming to the winter meetings, trying to launch, and and they're funny. You know, they're nice, great guys, and they had a funny act, but it just it just it doesn't work. It it, it didn't it didn't it didn't stick for some reason. Didn't resonate with the fans. There's there there are many reasons, and Dominic, I've said this to many people over over these years, that there this is not um, as easy. I don't mean to sound uh, pompous or anything, but it's not as easy as we've been able to make it look because there's a lot to it, and it you know you're you're on the road, you're running the business, you're trying to live your life uh, at home, and you're trying to be funny on the road and and keep the 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 skits funny the skits fresh the skits um uh topical and also event professional yeah and run the business as a business and we've been lucky and blessed and fortunate and we've worked hard to get to this point where we are and have where we've where we've stayed now for quite a few years even through uh tough financial times after you know the economy hit the hit the tanker there in uh 09 or 08 whatever and and everything took a downturn a lot of advertising money was um, uh, taken back from teams. So the teams had less money to spend. So, and even then we were still the most busy, the most popular act that was out there, uh, doing shows at, at both, at definitely minor league baseball, but we also do uh, a lot of college basketball. We do a lot of minor league hockey. We do some NBA, some NHL, some MLB, you know, mixed in here and there. So, you know, it's, it's people have tried doing this. And like Dominic said, I mean, we've made a list and I mean, it's, a, it is quite, it's quite amazing, quite funny, actually, all the people that have tried this and, and either not lasted a minute or not lasted more than a year or two because they've run the gamut from literally, you know, trying it and not getting a, a single bite and a few who who stuck around, but for whatever reason, weren't able to maintain. So it's um, it's it's been a marathon for us, but we've 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 enjoyed the the, the time and we, we you know, we keep doing it. And, and luckily, we've had a lot of great employees, a lot of great performers who've worked with us and worked for us. And, and I don't know, uh, I don't think we mentioned it yet, but we also now agent for other acts. Other acts have come to us over the years and asked us to be their agent. So we are agenting now for other acts. And um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to stay busy with, with our own stuff, but also agent for these other acts and do a good job representing them and trying to get them, uh, keep them busy also. Yeah. And, and, and you guys touch on something there that's important for any business or anybody especially in the entertainment business, is that if you are going to maintain a business, if you're going to keep going for years and years, and if you're going to, especially for minor league baseball, if you're going to keep coming back to these ballparks, you always have to innovate. You always have to bring something fresh. What do you feel like is, is a way you guys have innovated the act in the last going on three decades now? Well, are you talking, I guess, superstar Sam or Birdzerk as well, or? Well, just, just from where you guys start, you could say okay. from Birdzerk to what yes. you guys are doing now or yeah. from the beginning superstars wherever you want but like how how have things changed sure i'll, okay. I'll also go ahead Dom. I'll, I'll, I'll add something that when you're finished. No, go ahead. yeah you go first go ahead i was gonna say like you know when we when something comes on the scene that's hot uh uh such as uh the movie uh with anna and elsa and the let it go song we did it we did we added a skit into our routines with the let it go song and so that so you know when you, we still do what is tried and true and what works and what people know us for but we mix in every now and again something different, something new. And, and you know, when you go watch uh, the Rolling Stones or the Eagles or whoever, and they're, you know, you don't want them necessarily. I don't, I don't think most people do want to, you don't want them to sing all of their latest album and only their latest album. You want them to sing what you, what got them famous, what made them who they are. So not that I'm comparing myself or ourselves to the Rolling Stones or the Eagles, but in the same vein, uh, you know, you're, you're, you do what, 
what people will like to see, the glove steal for Birdzerk or the ump dance from Birdzerk or the, the skit where that we made us the most famous from Superstars that went, you know, you, Sam, you were talking a minute ago about something that went viral. Our, our Superstars skit where we eat somebody and spit them out in their boxers, that was what we created. And since then, people have, have you know, stolen that idea and, and copied us or whatever, which I guess imitation flattery concept, but still... That, that went huge viral worldwide. Uh, I think it was Ludacris that picked it up and put it on his um, uh, social media. And from there, it went it went crazy huge. And that was probably three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, something More like that. More than that. More than that. Yeah. I don't even know. Five years ago, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've had, um, you know, we, we add, you know, we will add uh, when, what was that, that video game where everybody danced the floss and the... Um, oh, Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, yeah. So we added Fortnite, Fortnite aspect to our Superstar show a couple of years ago. So just adding to, to try to stay relevant to what's going on now, you know, and nothing stays around nowadays with Instagram changing like this and Instagram and Snapchat, you know, everything, everything in TikTok, everything goes fast. You know, people, it sticks around, but tomorrow it's already, it's already old. So just trying to add something in our shows that will maybe be able to be used for a whole summer or even two summers if it, you know, as long as it doesn't get, you know, uh, beaten down, I guess. Guys, let me ask you about uh, the the characters that you come up with. And I think, uh, Brennan, you put it perfectly. I mean, when you're in a circumstance where we live in a world where everything changes on a dime, you kind of have to strive, I guess, for like sort of timeless characters, uh, you know, and people who are still relatable. But I would imagine every once in a while somebody slips through who, you know, 10 years from now, kids watching baseball are like, oh, I don't really remember that guy. Um, So two part question. One, what is the process like for coming up with new um, characters, whether it's, you know, new superstars or or new acts, new performances? And two, have you ever heard from anybody that you've had a superstars character based on who either like absolutely loved it or I was listening to it's kind of funny that you mentioned the, the character being spit out of somebody after being eaten up because I was listening to an interview with Weird Al the other day and he said that he had only had like one negative interaction with anybody who he ever parodied um have you ever had anybody contact you and be like hey I don't really like the way that you know you've uh I'm I'm Cal Ripken Jr. you shouldn't represent me as a cow has has that ever happened before we the uh the only negative that I'm aware of that we've ever encountered was we we have a character Dick Flytow and we did a, a, a uh, we did a business seminar where it was a sports themed business seminar, and Dick Vital was actually one of the speakers. So be- behind the stage, we were in character, and we saw him, and he came up and he said, "Hey, don't you have to have, have permission to do something like that?" And I had said, "No, we don't, because it's just a parody." <laughs> he's the that's the only one. And then a couple years later, he's in the front row of a Tampa Bay Rays game. We're doing the Rays, and Dick Vital's down there, and Dick Vital's down there, and he stands up and. And he does it, you know, he's in front of all the people. So now he's kind of turning it on and he's being funny. And was it you, Brennan, and Dick Vital at the time? It wasn't you. I don't somebody, think so. somebody sprayed Dick Vital with silly string all over his head. So we got a picture <laughs> of Vital with Dick Vital at the Tampa Bay Rays game because he has sits right above the dugout. And and uh, we sprayed him with silly string. No, no nobody has ever written us a uh, cease and desist. No one has ever called and said stop using tiger woods chuck um and and the attorneys when we first went in 98 to 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 meet with them and tell them what we were going to do and and if it was going to if we we're going to run into issues they said you guys will definitely hear from somebody and we have not in all these years so so again it's a parody and we and we get asked that all the time but because we are making fun of those uh famous people when they become famous, they get certain rights, and that's what Saturday Night Live does, and comedians do when they they do parodies. And since we're doing entertainment, that's that's our out. That's why we're allowed to do it. What what crosses the line is if we begin to sell uh, a, a clammy Sosa dolls. So now we're using Sammy so- Sosa's likeness to sell a doll. It's a it's a piece of it's a merchant piece of merchandise with his likeness on it that's when we cross the line from entertainment so that's the more or less layman's general ex- explanation i'm not an attorney even though i know i look like one and a lot of times i act like one i'm not i don't know you guys are probably shocked and uh, <laughs> i got one quick follow-up to that the greatest player maybe of our entire lifetimes 
is already named something that seems like it would be a superstar's name in Mike Trout. What are you going to do eventually if you come up with a Mike Trout superstar? Wow. Hmm, that's a great question. <laughs> Brennan, you got anything? Uh, I think there's a good chance that we already have a costume named Mike Rainbow Trout. Oh, yeah. It is a multicolored fish that we have. And it is, uh, we've had it probably for, I'd say, three, four, how many? Three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four years. And he is one of our most popular requested characters nowadays. Fantastic. So it is, it is too obvious to be Mike Trout. So we named him Mike Rainbow Trout. And it is a multicolored, uh, like a rainbow trout. It's a, it's a really great costume. And Mike Rainbow Trout now does what Clammy Sosa and all those same costumes do. It eats somebody and spits them out in their boxers. So to your, to your uh, suggestion, which is a great suggestion, we already uh, great suggestion. do it. Wow. We didn't even set you up on that for, for that or anything. <laughs> Um, but also to go back to what, what you had just asked a moment ago, we have a photo, uh, Cal Ripken, we're talking to him. He, every time we performed in Aberdeen, they always want Cal Ripken to be there because he loves it. Ken, Ken Griffey, when we performed at the Cleveland Indians versus Cincinnati Reds game, Ken Griffey tells, got word to us, hey, go up to the suites, suite number, you know, 116. My family's up there. I wanted to get some photos with Ken Giraffe and my family. Um, <laughs> Roger, we have a picture of Roger Clemens with Roger Clemens at Sugarland Skeeters. And Roger Clemens has his arm around Roger Clemens, and he's got a smile on his face like he's a kid who just met Santa Claus. And he's got <laughs> this huge smile, like, hey, look, look who I'm standing next to. And then Roger Clemens has hired us numerous times for his celebrity softball game, Toby Keith celebrity softball games and other stuff that he's got going on. So he loves us. Um, well, who else am I forgetting, Brennan? I know there's others that, that um, so Peyton, Ma Peyton Manning's uh, foundation hired us to pop and do oh, yeah. a thing there in Indianapolis. Indianapolis we took Peyton yeah. Manatee. We took Peyton Manatee with us. Uh, there's been, there's been quite a few, you know, when, when, like Dominic said a minute ago, when we, when we were checking this with our lawyers before we got into it and spent a good deal of money on making this uh, business happen, they said, you know, as long as you do this and don't do that, you should be okay. And and they even recommended don't touch um, Michael Jordan. They said don't do anything with Michael Jordan because he's got way deeper pockets than you'll you'll ever have, which obviously is is way true. Um, but we so we stayed off of, of him for a number of years. And eventually, once we didn't hear things from all the people that we already had costumes for. And once we started hearing more and more affirmations that the um, uh, that the uh, uh, sorry, I lost my connection. There it is. Once we got uh, affirmations that the other people were were not only not mad about it, they were actually enjoying our, our parodies of them. We went ahead and added mac mackerel Jordan, which was another fish. And, and even Tiger Woodschuck, which somebody said, you know, people suggested maybe don't don't mess with him either. So we added Tiger Woodschuck a few years later. And, uh, you know, obviously at some point in time, anybody can sue anybody for anything they want to. We hope it doesn't happen, but it could still happen. So we're, we're trying to uh, tiptoe the line and 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 see what we can get away with, but not uh, not make anybody too mad. And these days, uh, more pressing concerns than getting sued. Um, obviously, <laughs> 2020, everything shut down. Um, the sports world, no minor league baseball season at all, no fans in the stands, even for the, the teams that did play. I mean, is there anything you can do as touring performers in that sort of environment? And then as a follow-up to that, 2021, things kind of normal, but also still a little weird. Uh, what is it like uh, kind of readjusting to the sports landscape uh, in 2021 amid all these changes for minor league baseball post-COVID and uh, still a lot of restrictions when it comes to travel. It's, uh, it goes without saying, must be a, a tough time for a lot of people and certainly for people who make a living uh, as touring performers in the world of sports and especially minor league baseball. Yeah, we went, we went through a 16-month dry spell uh, from the end of February because people started pulling the plug on everything that we had scheduled in March. We had several things booked early March, mid-March, late March and stuff uh, that people just started pulling the plug on just from the fear uh, what was coming and, and the, you know, what, what may be happening, even though everything really wasn't shut down completely yet, but the end of February was pretty much our last show of 2020. And then we didn't do another show until May uh, 30th of 2021. So we had a long period of time there where we weren't doing anything at all, which was not uh, uh, financially fun, but, you know, we got to spend time with our wives and kids and, 
I don't know if they enjoyed it, but we enjoyed it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, this summer we've done from all, from all accounts that I can see, we've, we stayed the, once again, the busiest compared to other acts that are out there. Um, 40, 40 some odd shows, which isn't great, but, but decent. And, you know, one of our acts that we agent for is based in Canada. They haven't been able to come over the border at all and they haven't been able to do any shows. So they're, they're really, really handcuffed. And so, you know, and I was talking to a guy the other day at the uh, Michigan International Speedway. We did a NASCAR race. Another performer up there, he said he's only done two shows this year. And he's a guy who stays usually pretty busy doing all kinds of stuff. So, you know, as much as we're not very busy, I think we're busier than, than many, many others. And we're happy to be staying busy. And, and unfortunately, with our, you know, with COVID, we had to uh, furlough some employees. And, and since then, they've gone on to take other jobs or, or whatever, maybe. So uh, we've only got one of our employees back now working for us. So we've had Dominic and I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of, if not all the shows this summer, which has been fun uh, for us two to get back together again, because we haven't traveled much, you know, like Dominic was saying, we, we cover a lot of space uh, with other employees and things where it's not just me and him together. So that's been an, an interesting, sorry, there's, um, there's a truck backing up here outside the restaurant where I am. It's, we had no uh, idea. We, we couldn't tell. <laughs> Let me mute real fast. You can, you can talk, Dominic. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's been interesting that Brennan and I now are traveling together again like we were when we began in, in uh, the early 90s. So so going into this summer, because as he just said, you know, we had, we've had numerous guys who have done shows with us over the years. And in, in the last couple of years, we've had five guys who are pretty much full-time so always, always going out and doing and doing shows and helping us at the off in the office with the marketing and the, the organization and the costume upkeep. And, you know, there's there's all kinds of things when you've got shows going out in and out and characters that need repairs and crates and, and uh, you know, and there's just there's just, there's a lot more to it than people than people know. And so those guys, when the pandemic hit and everybody kind of looked at each other, like, well, what are we going to do? And. And, and like, like Bernard said, we went 16 months without earning a dime and we were just like the cruise lines or, or the bands who you look and you say, who was the most affected by the pandemic? Well, you know, there's no one that was affected more than we were. I mean, we, you know, so the bands might've done some kind of audio sales and uh, sold, sold some, some songs on, on the, um, on the internet or whatever, but we didn't, we didn't have that ability to do that. So um, it was a tough 16 months, but this year it was nice to get back into it. And it's been, you know, we, we haven't done, we haven't, it hasn't been our busiest year, but it's also been kind of nice just to slowly get back into it. And I don't know what next year is going to hold, but all of the teams who had paid us deposits in 2020, you know, and they, and they ask, Hey, can we carry those to 2021? And we, we let them all carry it to those deposits to, to the shows for this year. And then a couple of teams contacted us this year and said, hey, we're, we really still don't have the ability to, to bring you in this year because we took such a hit last year. And that's the case is everyone, as you all know, everybody, not a, and not a, that has nothing to do with the whole new major league taking over minor league contractions and and now they've got to spend money on uh, facilities and weight rooms and enhanced locker rooms and and on and on and on so when when the teams have to look at their budgets and the, they had to make cuts well the first thing to go is the 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 entertainment act that's not necessary to put the game on you know that like it's great to have the superstars there because extra people are going to show up and everybody that's there is going to love it and they can put it on the pro pocket schedule and go out and find a sponsor and and help make that season that much stronger and better. But it's also easy to just say, well, we just can't do the superstars. We can't have Bird Zerk in there. We can't have Rush and Bartrio, B-Boy McCoy, or Rush, uh, Bucket Ruckus, or any of our other skillful acts. We're, we got to cut those out. So that's why we took a hit. Next year, I think they're going to, things will, will rebound even more. And uh, we're already seeing that college basketball teams are, are calling for this year, which is nice. Some minor league hockey teams have already got us on the books. So it, it's going to be a slow rebound. But the good news is we're not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've set it up where, think, you know, we're going to be here for the teams. And we're going to, when, when the teams need us, we're going to be ready to show up. And, and they know when they hire us, 
that we're going to come in and we're going to do a kick-ass show and the fans are going to love it. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we bank on. Yeah, well, seeing Birdzerk, Superstars, Skillville Entertainment Group acts at a minor league ballpark at sporting, at, uh, sporting venues across the country, the more that we see that, that, the more we know we're living in a healthy America. So we want to see those touring performers get back out there, uh, feel as normal as possible altogether. And uh, I'm sure we could all follow up with a bun- uh, many more tangents, but uh, I think we need to, to wrap up this particular discussion and say thank you, Dominic and Brennan Latkovsky, Skillville Entertainment Group, Birdzerk, Superstars, many associated acts, touring performers for decades. Thanks for taking the yes. time to speak with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot for inviting us on. It's, it's been nice to, to speak to you. And, and uh, thanks for all that you guys do to, to keep, uh, you know, all the fun minor league stuff in the, in the news and in people's faces and keep up the great work yourselves. And we'll see you at the winter meetings if there is one, or we'll see us. We'll, we'll just meet you in Vegas. Yeah. See you there. <laughs> Thank you for having us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A huge thanks to uh, Brennan and Dominic Letkovsky. What a, a fun conversation. The amount of times that I've seen the superstars and thought like, I really would love to know what more is going on behind the scenes with how this all started and all of it. That was fantastic. And uh, big thanks to those guys. Um, I also relayed this story to uh, to Ben and Sam. After we got done with that interview, I was looking up uh, Max Peck and the clown prince of baseball and learned that on the night of the moon landing, he was performing at a game in Great Falls, Montana, in front of a crowd of four. And we were saying, could you imagine, like, there are men walking on the moon for the first time in history? And you're like, nah, I was at this minor league game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, like, entertainers who do this stuff travel the country. They all have stories like that. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I know stand-up comedians have stories like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I had this gig somewhere, and it, the only person to show it was my roommate, and they left halfway <laughs> through. Stuff like that. Um, so I'm sure it, it, if you're traveling in the country, especially for as long as those guys have. They must have equally crazy stories, not moon landing stories, obviously, but some other big night in America where everybody else is glued. Was doing something else. Right. Pretty amazing. Uh, Well, with that, it is time to dive into three strikes on this week's episode of the show before the show. And we kick things off our three biggest topics across minor league baseball. Brand new farm system rankings are out from MLB Pipeline. The Baltimore Orioles, the top farm system in baseball. Sam contributing to these rankings along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Um, Probably no surprise, the O's, the Mariners, uh, I would imagine, garnered some heavy consideration. Sam, give us a rundown of what the biggest points are from the newest farm system rankings here at the midway point of 2021. Yeah, you mentioned the top two teams there. I'm just going to run through the top five here real quick. Number one was the Baltimore Orioles. Number two, the Seattle Mariners. Number three, the Miami Marlins. Number four, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And number five, the Kansas City Royals. Actually, I'll extend it by one just to say the Tampa Bay Rays, who were the preseason number one, have dropped to number six. Uh, Big reason for that being they've graduated a lot of players. That's just what happens. You're going to drop in the rankings. It's no fault of the Rays, the fact that they fell from one to six. But uh, the reason why I bring up the top five instead of just jumping straight into the Orioles is because I think you have to think about these rankings and a lot of rankings, really, in terms of tiers. Uh, Sometimes we get a little too caught up in why is this one better than this one? Um, Why is, you know, six versus seven, seven versus eight, eight versus nine, et cetera, instead of thinking of it as like, why are these teams all around each other? Because I think that the top two spots were especially close. Um, I think you could even extend that to number three. If you look at our top 100, when we first released it, the Miami Marlins actually had the most top 100 prospects with, I believe, seven. They have since graduated Jesus Sanchez, uh, and he hasn't been replaced by a Marlin, so they have six now. But still, the reason why they are number three is they were heavily represented in the top 100. The Orioles at number one speaks to something we talked about before, which is that they have the top overall prospect in Adley Rutschman. They have the top pitching prospect in Grayson Rodriguez. They get deeper from there. Uh, D.L. Hall is number 78 overall. Gunnar Henderson, number 80. Colton Kowser, their first round pick, 
this year, number 83. Um, I know we had some uh, discussions both internally and externally about putting Jordan Westberg in the top 100. So he's knocking on that door as well. The Orioles system right now is built for a rebuild. Everybody knows that. The Orioles know that themselves. They're just coming off a an incredibly long losing streak. Happy to report that they actually won uh, Wednesday night. So they ended that losing streak at last. But um, they are building for the future, and they are trying to build a farm system around that. Do I think they could have done even maybe slightly better? I, I don't think this farm system right now is where the Rays were at the beginning of the year, for example. I think the Rays were a deeper farm system. They also had the number one overall prospect. Um, they have since graduated him in Wander Franco. Um, so I think that that race between the Orioles at one and the Mariners at two, if, if you talk to anybody in baseball, that you could flip those if you wanted to. Uh, the Mariners are also pretty deep with top 100 talent. Julio Rodriguez at number two overall. Melvin Marte making a big jump this year at number 11. George Kirby at number 35. Emerson Hancock at number 36. Cal Rowley, uh, their catching prospect. He got some top 100 consideration ads. Did Harry Ford, uh, their first round pick this year. So the Mariners, I think, might be a little bit of a deeper system. I think the Orioles have more top 100 representation, more likely to get those guys to the major leagues and to contribute. Um, but if I'm a fan of either of those organizations right now, I might feel better about being a Mariners fan than an Orioles fan looking at these rankings because the Mariners have surprised in many ways this year at the major league level. I certainly didn't expect them to be competing for an AL wild card spot, never mind being above 500. They have certainly accomplished that. They've done that with Jared Kelnick reaching the majors and not really performing to expectations. So if you were to tell me Jared Kelnick made the major league roster and they were competing for a wild card spot, I would have told you, oh, great. He's contributing in a big way. He's bringing his power, his speed, his hit tool to, to the major league level. That hasn't really happened. They've relied on so many other players uh, to get to that spot. And now they still have a top two farm system in baseball. So the Mariners could really kick this into overdrive fairly soon. You're already looking at Rodriguez, Kirby, and Hancock at the double-A level, so they're not that far away themselves. So if you were to ask, like, who would you rather be a fan of right now? Probably the Mariners. But in terms of, like, who is better built to just contribute from the farm system itself, it's probably the Orioles. They're a little bit deeper. They have more top 100 representation. It is very, very close there, and that's why I like to think of these in tiers instead of necessarily, you know, it's a hard line at each ranking spot. Um, just going back to the Marlins real quick, just to talk about who they do have in the top 100, led by their first-round pick this year, Khalil Watson at number 28, Edward Cabrera, who just made his major league debut this week at number 30, Max Meyer at number 31, Sixto Sanchez, who we have not seen in 2021. He's at number 45, J.J. Bleday slipping to number 77 after a difficult year at AA, and Jake Eater, uh, Bleday's former teammate at Vanderbilt, actually having a very impressive year, uh, jumping from, I believe he was a fourth round pick now into top 100 consideration at number 82. So the Marlins have that interesting mix of guys who we already thought were good, have kind of established themselves. They they got lucky by Watson dropping to them in this year's draft. And then they're developing pretty well with, with a guy like Jake Eater. They're, they're mixing in that uh, well there. Just to drop to the bottom of the list um, real quick, just because I know there's interest at both ends of these rankings. Uh, number 30, we had as the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you look at who the White Sox are right now. They've graduated Andrew Vaughn. They've graduated Michael Kopech, Nick Madrigal, who's now with the Chicago Cubs, but he had graduated before the trade. Uh, Garrett Crochet, all those guys were top 100 prospects coming into the year. They've all graduated to major league level. That's great. The White Sox are top of their division. Uh, they have a decent shot to make the World Series out of the AL this year. Those guys are all making pretty decent contributions. Vaughn at least is get, was getting some rookie of the year consideration at times. Kopech has been good out of the bullpen. Crochet has been serviceable out of the bullpen, fitting in pretty well despite being drafted just last year. So the machine is working well for the White Sox. Now we'll see how things are going to turn out these next couple of years. That well has gone pretty well dry. Um, but in terms of, hey, why are they ranked last? Isn't that an issue? Not really if they are turning out major leaguers and you know they're not drafting very high anymore. This is kind of bound to happen. Now let's see what steps they take to improve this system going forward. But in turn, if you're if you're going to drop to number 30, you want it to be for a reason like Chicago did, which was graduating good players to the major leagues. 
Strike two this week. Double A schedule has arrived. We're starting to get uh, a look at what the 2022 campaign is going to look like across minor league baseball. We talked about uh, the triple A schedule and now triple A West will follow the same format as the rest of the minors coming up next season with Wednesdays uh, returning to play and uh, being off on Mondays in triple A West. They were the only league to do things. Otherwise, double A now out. Sam, we're getting a look at uh, what seems to be, at least for the immediate future, um, the the structure of minor league baseball seasons going forward, which is six game series and then an off day, uh, whether to travel or to recuperate and rest after traveling. First off, your thoughts on the double the A schedule um, and how we are seeing this six game schedule uh, strategy across the minor leagues work so far this year. Yeah. So just looking at the double A schedule right now, uh, some of them that have been released, I'm looking at the Binghamton schedule now, but they all basically fit this formula. Uh, opening day will actually be on Friday, April 8th. Uh, for most double-A clubs, I believe all double-A clubs, actually. Uh, and that's going to be a little bit different because that's going to mean a three-game series to begin the year, but that's just because it's going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you get that Monday off back to a six-game schedule starting on April 12th. Um, so save April 8th. That seems to be double-A opening day this year. Uh, something to look forward to for sure across those three leagues. Um, to your point, Tyler, about the six-game schedule, we got a question about this from, from our friend John uh, and longtime listener. Uh, who just was asking us to kind of check in on this and, and how the six-game schedule is working out. People I've talked to in the game seem to have worked decently well. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but in terms of knowing that you have one day off a week is, is a big advantage. Um, I think that's worked well for both players and team staff alike. Um, knowing that you have that built in is, is certainly a relief in some ways instead of some of these trips or homestands or what have you that would go on 12, 13 days, that can run really long. Uh, at least knowing you will have Monday off is a little bit of a relief. You know that's coming. Uh, but also in, in terms of like how is it working out, seeing the same team every day for six days a week, I think that can get a little old, a little stale by Friday, Saturday, but we haven't really seen these instances like we thought we would in terms of things getting testy by the end and and – um, teams really going at it, maybe like a Saturday, Sunday afternoon fight, something like that. That We haven't really seen that happen uh, too bad. I think everybody kind of understands the reality of the situation. And going forward, it's, it's only going to become more regular, right? Like teams are just going to get used to this. This year we understood it because you wanted to limit travel due to COVID uh, and to cut costs a little bit. Going forward next year, okay, you've already got one entire year under the books. This is just another version of that. So I think there will be even fewer problems with it going forward. Tyler, anybody you've talked to about – we even talked to Jason Schwartz about this a little bit last week in terms yeah. of what the six-game schedule is like from a broadcasting standpoint. But any other issues with this? Seemingly, it's going to be locked in. Uh, again for another year in 2022. Yeah, it seems like it. I think um, right now it seems to be people fall on one side of the fence or the other, which is I think if you're more of a traditional person or somebody who's worked in baseball, it's definitely been a huge change. It's something weird to, to kind of get used to. Um, and as a, as a broadcaster or as a journalist or, um, you know, even just as a front office staff member or whatever it is, um, knowing that you're going to be at home for a week, there's something nice about the stability of that. There's also kind of a change in, uh, you know, I talked with Adam Pohl, the voice of the AA Bowie Bay Sox for a story a few weeks ago uh, at MILB.com about, you know, by the end of a six-game series of broadcast, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to figure out what to talk about with a lot of guys. Um, but for players, you know, I talked with Zach Veen, uh, the top prospect in the Rocky system and a top 100 guy uh, just a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, you hear all these stories coming in a pro ball of what the travel schedule is like and how grueling it is and all that. And a lot of that changed with this new formatted schedule and um, seems like it's better for guys' bodies. It's better for, you know, helping guys finish strong, continue to be healthy, not get quite as burnt out toward the end of the year. So I think ultimately the positives seem to be uh, outweighing some of the drawbacks for it, but certainly something to, to really get used to um, here in 2021. And it seems like it'll be the same way going forward. Yeah, and, and just one other Quick point to make here while we're talking about the double A schedule. Uh, every team will have 69 home games. Um, so that's going to be 138 games. Nice. Schedule. It, it is a nice schedule. It, it is a not a nice round number uh, on the home side, but a nice round number on the total side. But yeah, beginning April 8th, ending September 18th, that's when things are slated to end. So it is extending a little bit further than we were used to, at least pre 2020. Um, but again, this is kind of a whole new world. So that's something to adjust to that. Uh, Things could be going into the fourth week of September, basically, uh, on the double A side. One other note to make here real quick, 
uh, for anybody adjust, adjusting your schedules for 2022 already. Uh, we mentioned this last week with the AAA side. This will continue on the AA side. There will be Monday home games um, because in July because the 4th of July is on a Monday next year, and teams don't want to give away that gate for obvious reasons. Uh, so there will be games on Monday, July 4th. There will also be a four-day break in the middle of July uh, from July 18th to the 21st for an all-star break. Um, I haven't seen any announcements about all-star games or anything like that to, to fill that time, but um, something to keep an eye on there as we didn't get all-star games this year. There is an actual four-day break in the middle of July, hopefully for something like that. Maybe it's, it's for other purposes, but I think that'll also be a welcome pause in the middle of the season and allow guys to finish strong there as well. And strike three this week, we are headed towards September call-ups, which are going to look a lot different in 2021 and going forward. No more 40-man roster expansion, just 28 players on Major League rosters going through September and toward the postseason, which was part of the compromise to add a 26th man uh, for the entirety of the regular season. Sam, does anybody stick out right now as who could be the most, um, the guys with the biggest impact for September call-ups or the biggest names who are going to go up? Yeah, I mean, so I'll start with like an obvious one that uh, just it feels like he should be added in some way, even if it's only in a limited capacity is Vidal Bruhan, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Rays brought Bruhan up earlier this year. I'm actually a little surprised that he wasn't up longer. I know he did struggle during his time at the major league level, uh, but somebody who can play everywhere. We actually have him listed now as an outfielder first, um, but he's played a bunch of spots uh, on the infield, well, in the outfield, a little bit on the infield. He's probably mostly second base on the infield, uh, but he's basically made for September calls. He's, he's super quick. He's a switch hitter. It's tough to match up against. Uh, you can use him as a pinch runner. Like I said, you can use him anywhere on the outfield. You can use him at various spots on the infield as well. Um, plug him in. It's going to work well. So I, I would be surprised if he didn't get a call up. I, I know, again, bringing it back to what he did at the major league level, he went only two for 26 with eight strikeouts, no extra base hits. Wasn't a great time at that level. But still, if you have somebody like Vidal Brujan in your organization, you should use him, make the most of his speed, uh, especially if you're the Rays and you're trying to hold off the Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays in the AL East. They're doing a good job of that right now with the roster they have. Adding somebody like Brujan will be a major uh, addition for them. And I'm also just going to say it, uh, keep an eye out for a Bobby Witt Jr. addition for the Royals. Royals not going anywhere, uh, obviously, this year. They're not trying to compete for a playoff spot, anything like that. Uh, if you want to look at it from a service time point of view, there might not be a great reason to bring up Witt and start his clock. But, hey, he is the future of that organization. He's the number three overall prospect in baseball right now. feels like every night we're tweeting another highlight of his, whether it's a home run, uh, or something he's doing on the base pass. He's a 2020 player in the minor leagues already at his age 21 season, basically his first full season. Uh, I don't see there being much for him left to prove at AAA Omaha. I know there were some whispers coming out of the spring uh, that he could debut this year. He's only proved it at AA Northwest Arkansas and now at Omaha. Uh, don't really see what else he has left to do. And if the Royals are serious about making him their future, Get him, let him get his feet wet now. Let him see the majors, get accustomed to that lifestyle. Uh, he knows a little bit about it through his father, who pitched in the major leagues for many years uh, and is now working as his agent, as he told us on the podcast uh, just last year. But uh, I think there could be something in that for the Royals, just letting Bobby Wood Jr. get used to the majors, getting used to seeing it. And even if he doesn't do well, he knows what he needs to adjust to, and he's shown – at every level so far that he can make those adjustments. So just keep an eye out for that to happen. It's not a guarantee. Uh, like I said, if we're looking at it from a service time point of view, it might not make sense for the Royals to do that. But if they are serious about Witt and his future in that organization, why not start it now and let him see the majors? Because he certainly earned that opportunity. And that is it. Three strikes for this week's episode. We are back to wrap up the show before the show after a special appearance by one Joshua Jackson coming up next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
interrupt this podcast to bring you another thrilling edition of Ghosts of the Miners. Now, here's your correspondent and host, Joshua Jackson. in which all of you out there in Radioland must identify the legitimate historical ball club hiding amidst the fraudulent pair. One of them you can take to the bank. You'll go broke betting on the others. In the last segment, I asked you which of the following minor league baseball teams did at one time exist. A. The Scottsdale Scotties B. The Fredericksburg Freddies C. The Augusta Augies By George the Scotties, A. had a name worth dropping from 1925 to 1930, making a home of the industrial and industrious burg of Scottsdale, Pennsylvania, the Scotties labored hard as an affiliate of the Cardinals but never flew to the top of the standing. Stuck far from the league's highlands, the Scotties still managed to put on a good show. Added to the Middle Atlantic League in the middle of the 25 season, they played only 59 games that year, which was probably a good thing. They lost 41 of them. And, believe it or not, that inaugural Scottsdale Scotties team stood idly by while the Johnstown Johnnies claimed the Gonfallon. The next season was slightly better for the Scotties, as they saw the Wheeling Stogies flame out to take their place in the basement. But Scottsdale was still 10 games under 500. After being managed by Mike Mowry in 1926, the Scottsdale Scotties put Moose Marshall at the helm for a winning year in 27, then slipped into a two-season skid. The 30 Club was bolstered by the arrival of none other than future Hall of Famer Joe Don't Call Me Ducky Wucky Medwick, who at 18 was still a year or two away from acquiring his despised nickname, but in blossom as a ball player. Suiting up as Mickey King to protect his amateur status, Medwick was nonetheless being referred to by his real name in local papers by campaign's end. They had plenty of reason to write about him, as sources from the era have him slugging 25 home runs on the year. In 31, the Scotties became the Scottsdale Cardinals before the franchise disappeared altogether when the league went from 12 teams to 6 in 1932. Other Scottsdale sporting entities, such as a high school football club, later took on the moniker, but Scotty remains the first name for Scottsdale baseball history. Now, on to the question for next time. Which of these sad sack clubs made fans happy in the minor leagues? A. The Walla Walla Whoopsies B. The Petersburg Goobers C. The Trenton Hardlucks Want to know the answer? Butter up a lovable loser and see where it gets you. Or tune into the next Ghosts of the Miners. But for now, you'll have to excuse me. My producer Ben Hill is trying to explain modernism and he's fallen behind the times. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Final segment, which is our MILB.TV picks for the uh, upcoming weekend. Sam, what are you watching this weekend on Milk TV? Yeah, I, I've got my eye at Low A West. Uh, it's not often that we talk about Low A in terms of Milk TV games, but we are lucky to get one uh, over there this weekend. It's Modesto at Fresno. And I highlight that for two reasons. Tyler, you talked before about how you had recently spoken to Zach Veen, the top uh, prospect in the Colorado Rockies system. I feel like he's been doing a lot for the Fresno Grizzlies this year in his first full season, um, showing off better speed than we may have thought of. Part of that is the new low A rules that allow you to take advantage of, of stolen bases, but still he's he is doing that and he is accomplishing that, but also showing decent power. 
uh, has been pretty consistent throughout the summer. He's still a top 100 prospect. I think there's an arrow pointed up next to his name. He could potentially make a jump in the offseason again, depending on how he ends the season. Just cycled this week, which is why you talked to him, Tyler. So there's always the possibility for some Zach Bean highlights in Fresno Grizzly games. But they're also playing host to the Modesto Nuts and a player we did have make a massive jump in this year's rankings, who I mentioned earlier as well, was Noel V. Marte, uh, the Seattle Mariners system. Noel V. Marte hitting 274, 362, 473 with 17 homers in 91 games for the Nuts. He also has 22 stolen bases. Uh, this is a player who, last time we saw him in the minor leagues before 2021, he was playing in the Dominican Summer League. Um, so he probably would have moved stateside last year, probably would have played short season ball. The fact that he's moved straight to full season ball now, uh, has held his own, has provided his own number of highlights, especially with the power. I think he's taken a pretty solid jump there. Uh, he's, he's a good runner as well. Some questions about whether he'll stick to shortstop long-term, but he has the arm to be on the dirt for sure. Uh, between Marte and Veen, you're guaranteed to see something fun in that Fresno-Modesto series. Uh, so pick a game, any game, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, before those two teams split, but should be some fun stuff over there in California. Tyler, what do you have your eye on? Yes, yeah, since being traded from the Los Angeles Dodgers to the Washington Nationals, uh, new top Nats prospect, Cabert Ruiz, has been uh, on fire. He actually started pretty slow for his first week plus, but uh, going back to August 11th, again, we're recording this on the 26th. He's got uh, four home runs in his last two games, two homers in each. And dating back to August 11th, he's batted 396, 431, 771. Uh, in addition to those four homers, he's had six doubles, 13 runs batted in, 19 for 48 in total. Um, and for the entirety of this season, a 313 average, 377 on base percentage, and 632 slugging percentage uh, between Rochester and AAA Oklahoma City. Now in that national system, uh, he and his Red Wings teammates are on the road at Syracuse this weekend as they take on the Mets. Uh, and it has been a pretty fun first couple of days in Syracuse for uh for Cabert Ruiz so obviously uh, a series to continue checking out as that one goes along and uh that is it for this week's episode of the show before the show big thanks to uh to Ben the superstars guys for joining us and uh for Sam Dykstra I am Tyler Ma and I almost said I'm Benjamin Hill but I, I'm not some days I wish uh, I think it would be very cool but uh I'm not Maybe Sorry, for man. April Fools next year we'll do a thing where we all just switch roles. You're Josh Jackson. I'm Ben Hill. Oh, I want to be Josh Jackson so bad. You, you don't even understand. You get to do Ghost of the Miners next April Fools. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I like that idea. All right, we're gonna game plan that. He's Sam. I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next week.